We're good. Are you ready? Yep. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Doc Talk West Virginia. And uh, we got an exciting episode tonight. Got something a little different for y'all. Um, going to bring in a uh, bring in a, a, a college at one point, a college phenom fisherman and uh, a buddy of mine. And uh, we're going to talk about his recent win on the Susquehanna River. But um, before we dive into all that, I um, have a few things we got to run through uh, here. Actually, just actually going to make an announcement because I don't think we have any tournaments going on. Uh, we're actually recording this a little bit early. We're actually recording this on a Thursday before you guys see it. So today is August 4th. You guys are seeing this August 9th and because uh, I'm going to be out of town next week. So we went ahead and uh, filmed the show early. So... Uh, looking forward to this weekend, uh, if you guys are watching and you don't have anything planned for the weekend, Marshall University Fishing Team is putting on a, uh, a big bass tournament on Stonewall Jackson Lake. Uh, Tyler and I will be there running the tournament. Uh, $80 per person, uh, three, per, three people per team. And uh, if we have, it's based on 100 people, we can get 100 in there, which I think we can get close. Uh, if we can get 100 there, $1,600 win overall, and we'll have some hourly payouts. So, uh, going to be a good time. Uh, I will be there, of course, and uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna see some big bass. Hopefully, hopefully take some weight to win it, and uh, we'll see. But anyway, that's, uh, that's beyond that. Uh, registration happens at both Vandalia Ramp and at the Marina, so you can choose which ramp you want to launch out of. One of us will be at each one. Um, all the weigh-ins will take place at the Marina. Uh, weigh-in start, weigh starts at 9, and we're going to end up at 2. We're going to end, uh, close the scales at 2. So if you guys are interested in jumping in that, you can uh, feel free to reach out and message me or uh, message the team page, and we can get you more info on that. But... Uh, Joe, you are, uh, you're still in Ohio, you're still on the, uh, <laughs> you're still with your, your nice rug back there as a, uh, as a curtain, so, how's things in Ohio, are you holding up well? Yes, yeah, Alright, good deal. Um, I'm holding up, uh, by the time this is posted, I don't know if I'll still be, uh, functioning, right, but, I'm still here, uh, I'm really looking forward to this big bass clash, and coming home. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about all I got, man. How are you, man? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just, uh, tired. A little bit tired. The heat has whooped me working outside all day, so, um, that's no fun, but. Yeah, you're telling me. You're telling me. Mm -hmm. So, but man, listen, we got, we got an exciting show tonight. We're going to, we're going to jump right into this because, uh, I don't want to leave him hanging there too long. So, we have some stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, I want to dive into some stuff, uh, previously on some college fishing. And, uh, then we're going to talk the, uh, Susquehanna River. And then we'll talk some other stuff towards the end of the show. But, dude, should be pretty fun. Uh, let's, uh, let's bring him in now. So, we will bring in our guest. Nolan Miner, everybody. Nolan, what's up? Hey. Hey. Well, man, we know, and uh, most people have now seen this now, uh, won 10 grand over the weekend on the Susquehanna. And I told everybody a few weeks ago that I wasn't going to champ chase. And that's not my thing on here, but uh, I felt like this one might be, uh, we're not really champ chasing because I felt like all the other podcasts have got to you before I got to you. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've been invited on a couple, just a couple. 
But I wanted to point this out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I saw that he's you're throwing up on the uh, iCloud show uh, this weekend. So if you guys are watch, if you guys will this be post on Tuesday, so the iCloud show already happened. I just want to make it known that I beat the iCloud show here. So uh, just let them guys know that. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, man. So I wanted to, uh, before we dive into Susquehanna, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, college fishing, kind of your journey, uh, kind of how you ended up where you're at now. Um, I know I've been, you know, friends with you for a long time and, you know, followed your whole college fishing career ever since uh, I started college fishing. And, uh, man, so tell me a little bit about... um, your time at WVU, I know you, you had some success over there, had quite a bit of success, made a name for yourself. But, man, tell me about WVU and uh, that whole your whole experience there. Yeah, so um, I fished at WVU for four years when I was there. Uh, did well on the college side of things, fishing um, at WVU. Gosh, I the first when I first got started at WVU, um, I didn't even know if I was going to be fishing in college. I had fished in high school and right before going to college, I got second place in the high school national championship at Kentucky Lake. I think they might've finally quit doing them there, but that's where it always used to be. And when I did that, I was like, man, maybe, you know, maybe I can hang with these boys. Like maybe I should pursue this. And that was still when I was under the impression that you go to a college team college bass fishing team and they got boats running around everywhere free boats that <laughs> put you up everywhere you don't pay anything which is not the truth um and uh you learned that, that pretty quick I, didn't you <laughs> very very quickly i was like oh okay but like, yeah oh, not that um so yeah i was under the impression that if i got to fish in college my freshman year i was going to be somebody's fishing partner just, you know, jumped in the boat with somebody. And that's hard because even if you're pretty good, it's hard to convince the guys that are already there that you're any good when you're just a freshman and nobody knows you and you're not even from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what ended up happening is my parents got me a little uh, V-hull tracker, aluminum tracker. Uh, I think it was a 95 boat with a 97 motor, I think. Is, uh, no wait, y'all still. Ha- I, I remember seeing the pictures. Y'all still have. It's, do y'all still have the boat? I think we. Yeah, I think so. Ewing has had it down there at school. I don't know. It <laughs> it lasted for a while, and like I was rough on it, but Ewing is way rougher on it than I. Am. Yeah. I don't know what the current state of that boat is, but it served it. It served us very well. In its time. Um, I don't mean to not sound grateful by saying I don't even know what the condition of that boat is, but trust me, that boat has seen some fish and has seen some interesting places. Um, yeah. Yes. yeah, so I started out in that boat, made some championships out of that thing freshman year, and then my sophomore year was by the time I was starting to understand, like, okay, yeah, the boat doesn't matter. You can catch them out of an aluminum rig that barely has a trolling motor on it, but these boys are starting to run around in like $80,000 rigs and they're kind of doing laps around me. And, you know, there, there was a tournament I fished in Alabama where uh, I met my buddy, Josh Butts. We were on Lay Lake and we were both running up the river on Lay to catch them. And all I can remember is that he had his weight every day before I got there. Not kidding. (laughs) And he was going further than I was. Yeah. Um, 
and he won the tournament. And so that was kind of like, a, you know, I was realizing, all right, like, you know, I, I'm going to make it work, but maybe at a little bit of a, an equipment disadvantage. And <laughs> so my parents ended up getting the Stratus that everybody knows and yes. is familiar with. Um, the famous Stratus. Came, yes, the this, this Sutton Lake Stratus. The guys <laughs> in Sutton are familiar with that boat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very familiar. It's very familiar with that one, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started fishing out of that thing, did really well, got a second place at Pickwick, was the first tournament I ever fished out of that, made a championship that year for Bassmaster, got third, made it to the bracket, didn't win the bracket, almost won the bracket. That wasn't very that close. cool. It was cool, but it was also really not cool. It was, well, I know you don't say it's not cool, but it was probably one of the most dope things to watch ever that was one of the best one of the best Bassmaster live days I have on on my list for sure yeah I remember people people did say that it was it, it got people's attention more than a lot of some of the elite series events that have been on live <laughs> just because of how how the way things played out but yeah so had a very good career fishing in college um and then decided I was going to fish the opens after college and fished the Northern Opens last year, did all right in those. Now I'm here where I'm at fishing in a kayak because the Opens are pretty expensive and the world got a lot more expensive over the last recent uh, year or so. And it's treating me well, whatever situation I've found myself into currently. Yeah, absolutely, man. You've uh, you you've definitely <laughs> proved your rank through the college through the college tournament. I kind of want to hit on that because I, I I've talked to people about that that particular day um, when you were in the bracket and that comeback that you had in the uh, in the second half. I thought that that was um, I still talk to people now about it and like that was one of, some of the greatest uh, scenes on Bassmaster Live I think we've ever saw. Literally pulls up. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how how it played out because uh, it's just been so long since I watched it. But I do know you did pull up on a point, and it was uh, it got nasty for about twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine what it would have looked like on live scope because that was back when nobody had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was <laughs> wild, wild times. Well, man, I uh, I know we've we've uh, we've had some. Uh, We've in my short time at Marshall, I know we've got to fish uh, a couple state championships together, and those are always interesting. Um, <laughs> the first one, oh, we went to, yeah, the first one on uh, the first one I remember, I think it was 2019. I think we we met on Tiger. That was the first time I ever met you, and uh, of course you won. And I had uh, I had a pretty unfortunate day. I had the fish on to win, and uh, of course we lost. And we went smallmouth fishing, and. Uh, you went and found you some largemouth and uh, got got the win doing that. But still, I qualified because you'd already you had already proved yourself. Uh, I don't know where it was at the time, but I took the second spot, uh, qualified for the national championship myself. Thanks, thankfully to you. So I'll credit my uh, I'll credit my uh, my my first national championship to uh, Nolan's success. He uh, he put me in. It. So really, I, I caught that. I caught that nine pounder for you down there at Chick. Yeah, really happens, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's what happened. Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll credit that. Uh, I'll credit that whole week to you because you, uh, you, you basically allowed me to get in that one. So, um, dude, then we, I think it was twenty twenty. We fished. Uh, yeah, we fished the uh, the Canal River, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's we didn't I, think it could get worse than Tiger, but yeah. then it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when I smoked the prop on uh on a on a yeah. rock in the middle of the river, yeah. So that yeah. was fun. 
Uh, I actually had Thank the fish on the had the fish on the, the that one too. So, Jojo had seven and a half on that day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Down for that one. Me and Zach, me and Z Richie were actually in that one for the high school. Yeah, yeah, you were in um, that one. That's the one you guys you finished second in that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what that that was my first ever. Uh, I bet national no championship. Men and Rod Jigs were thrown that day. No, no Kitek Jigs were thrown that day at all. None in that boat. <laughs> no, <laughs> they wouldn't. They would never <laughs> throw that. <laughs> That, that that's actually what sent us to the national championship. Well, actually, it sent me to the national championship two years in a row. Yeah, I so, credit. Yeah. yeah, I credit about um that that jig dude around here for whatever reason. It's uh it's uh well, not a, not exactly that jig, but that jig plus the Fitzgerald's boat. It's just a nasty combination. Yeah, yeah, Fitzgerald's. Shout out to Brian and Delta. Yes. Well, man, we will uh, we will jump into the. Uh, I know you fished the opens last year. And we're gonna get into that here in a minute because I got some uh, I got some questions on that. But uh, man, we're gonna get into the Susquehanna. We had Chris on last week. Uh, he kind of broke down his tournament for us, and uh, we kind of dived into his uh, his whole tournament. But dude, I want to hear about yours. Um, I know I got to list. I listened to a podcast earlier this week. Kind of got a little bit of a lowdown. But dude, I want to know um, on your practice and kind of how you. How you approach this tournament? I know um, there was a couple things that you that are some key some key moments in uh, in your practice. But dude, I want to hear I want to hear it from you. Uh, I, I'm sure if the guys uh, that are listening on the show tonight or you know today that are listening to it, um, I think they'd like to hear this. This is something interesting, something uh, I think that's way out of the box, and uh, something I've I've never I've never heard before. So I'll let you break it down and uh, kind of run us through practice, and then we'll. We'll pick up from there, and we'll go to the tournament. Yeah, so the big story from this tournament is obviously the bug. I got one right here. It's, we'll, we'll talk about him plenty. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what my brother and I got first and second place on. And the bug was equally as important as the whole practice scheme. But, yeah, there was a lot of thought that went into this one, and it's kind of crazy how far out I was able to predict this from because you always have your ideas and your hunches, and you try to – formulate a game plan as best you can but a lot of the time it's a lot different by the time you actually get there and you end up doing something completely different than what you thought was going to happen which is fine and that's part of it but you always do your homework and for whatever reason at this one my homework was spot on like i i've been like telling people i'm like i'm not trying to be cocky but it was like a month and i was like yo this is what's gonna happen um so yeah so there's a the river smallmouth in the summer when the water gets really clear and for people in West Virginia, the best place that I have been that I could think of that guys have been in their bass boats would be, um, if you're fishing on the Mon, uh, gosh, what is it? Palatine park. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Up, up the tiger. You go up, you go up the tiger as far up as you can go. Mm-hmm. You know how in the summer, I mean, well, I guess at all times, but when the water's low up there every now and then while you're fishing up there, you'll just see like a four pound smallmouth swimming yep. around and you never catch that fish. Like never. He's afraid of everything. So that is the fish that will eat this thing. Like the, for whatever reason, they don't, they can't figure out that the bug is not real. And cause you know, they're used to everything being thrown at them that hits the bottom or sinks. And so I guess they just have not been fished for enough with a a bug type bait that they, they understand that that's dangerous. 
because uh, it's kind of remarkable how a big fish that's very smart and clear, slow, low water will just like swim over and eat it like it's nothing. Um, it's I would compare it to like a you know when you're up on the St. Lawrence in the spring and you throw a Ned rig at a fish, like how quickly they'll go and eat that. That's mm-hmm. how the big smart fish act with this bait. Um, but yeah, my idea on it was just I have a buddy who guides on the New River in Virginia. He also goes into West Virginia a little bit yep. doing raft trips for smallmouth. So I talked to him like a month before the tournament. I was like, hey, man, I just want to pick your brain on the summertime smallmouth and, you know, what what y'all usually do, what works, what doesn't, yada, yada. And he was telling me that obviously topwater, this guy, Chapo, Berkeley Chapo in all sizes is obviously always a big player on summertime smallmouth in the rivers when the water's yep. low. But he said, hey, man, like, I'll take – you know, five or six trips in a week and five of them will be spinning rod and one will be fly rod. And on the spinning rod days, we'll catch 40, 50 fish easy. And the biggest one will be, I don't know, 17, 18 inches out of all those guys catching 40, 50 a day. But then I'll take the fly guys out for one day. We catch 10 fish, five of them are 18 to 20 plus inches. And it's, and they're eating bugs. They throw cicada patterns. Um, he was like, you know, you might not catch a bunch doing it, but if you can figure out how to kind of tap into that, it's a really good way to catch a big fish, especially when it's fish that are, you know, in water that it's kind of hard to catch them anywhere, any other way. So, um, so what I did, do what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what I did is I, well, first I bought some of the, uh, I was going to take a fly rod. Um, That's what I, I got to look in. I got to look in on fishing online and I saw this thing and I was like, I not have to use a fly rod when you just buy some of those and see if those will work because a fly rod will work, but you're just not going to, you can't like spot one. And then like, what am I going to pick up my fly rod and strip off 30 feet of line so I can, you know, double <laughs> yeah. haul and throw it over there. Like, yeah, if you're only fly fishing, it'll work, but you got a whole bunch of other rods in the kayak with you when you're fishing. Yeah. So find plus, a way dude, around that. Plus I, I, I don't, plus I don't imagine it's going to be easy to try to pick off a moving smallmouth with a fly rod either. Uh, if you, if you know how to do it, it's not that bad. It's just a slower, like to, you know, get a yeah. slower process between spotting him and getting the bait in front of him. It's really mm-hmm. not that bad, especially because with a fly rod, you can keep false casting. So if he's moving, you just wait until you're in. But anyway, that's not important. I took it on a river in Virginia, took this bait out to test it a week before the Susquehanna just to see, cause I'd never fished for bug smallmouth or anything before. I kind of understood the idea behind it. Found a bunch of big ones in a big pool with hardly any current. They're really skittish. You throw a four-inch wacky rig at them or a Ned rig or something, and you get a couple of them to eat, but for the most part, they were pretty skittish. But then you take this bug and throw it out in front of one, and he just cruises right up to it, gets underneath it, noses up on it. You shake it a little bit or give it a twitch, and boom, gulps it. And I was catching like 18, 19-inch smallmouth like it was nothing. Really, really easy. I was like, all right, this is going to be something that's probably going to play up there at the river as long as we don't get any rain. And I knew that because of how big of a river it is, there's there was no way that we were going to get enough rain that it was going to change that. Um, so my next step was to look at a map and go, all right, where's going to be the best areas that are going to have the right kind of water that sets up for this bite? Because the river is full of smallmouth pretty much from right. end to end. You, that tournament could be won anywhere. Any local will tell you that. Anybody that's been there, that river is flat out full of big smallmouth. But I just needed to find somewhere that had the right water for what I wanted to do. 
a bonus to that is that these bugfish are not going to get caught by Joe Schmo going down through there with any old bait because they're <laughs> smart. And there were a lot of Joe Schmoes floating down through the river. You know, you get 200 kayaks up there. Everybody, you know, there's probably people that have their stretch picked out, but they're there for three, four days of practice. So they're going to go hit stuff probably with no intention of ever practicing there. So they're going to yank on them. You know, guys do that anyway. Uh, you know, they sting, sting too many fish in practice. And so the area that I picked, I was like, all right, well, for one, it's going to be harder for people to get in there. There's no way to float through where I went to get there. You have to paddle upstream for a while, or you have to drag your kayak for a good ways over gravel with about this much water over top of it. So I knew that that would discourage some people. Um, And then also the fish that live there, since it's slower water, were going to be a lot harder to catch. So even if a bunch of guys went in there and practiced, all they were going to do probably is just chase the fish around. You know, they may catch some of them, but they're not going to really catch most of those fish and actually you know, make them gun shy. Cause if you catch a fish, he's probably not going to bite two days later. Not a big one. Um, so went in there the first day of practice, there was, there were more fish than I thought there could have been. There was a lot of big fish. I was pretty blown away and I tried the bug some and they ate it. And I was like, all right, you know, like I'm going to keep practicing other places, but for me to go anywhere else, I'm going to have to find something really, really good. I didn't, I didn't find anything better. Um, and yeah, so I was just at that point, all I really had left to do was twiddle my thumbs and just try wait. to eat some food because I was all nervous because I knew how I knew what I was on. I was really freaked out uh, <laughs> and and just and just hope for sun, hope for some sun because the sun is really important. They uh, when you get sunlight, those fish really go out and look for bugs like you'll actually see them cruising. I'm sure y'all have seen it on hot summer days, oh, like yeah. middle of the day when it gets real bright, they'll turn jet black and they'll just be cruising. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll just see sometimes it'll be a wolf pack of it. Sometimes it'll be one fish, but they'll be just cruising around doing their thing. Yeah. And do what? Well, what's, what's wild is dude is like you, it's you, is you purposely set out and said, okay, you know, there's 200 in this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go access the, the toughest water I can find and, you know, try to get away from the whole field, which, you know, that's, it sounds easy to do, but, um, in, in certain cases, you know, you, you take a big gamble when you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it worked out, you know, cause we're at a point where fish get pressured so much, regardless of the body of water you're on, yeah, whether you're absolutely. on a big popular lake or a small local lake or a river like I was on. I mean, the fish just, you know, fishing pressure is probably half of your tournament plan. You it's know, half you the really battle. Gotta, yeah, it's, it, that's half, yeah. Outsmarting the other fishermen is, is half the battle. So for me, typically the remote stuff doesn't work anymore. Like going up some creek, going off the wall, going, running farther, making a long run. That stuff to me does not work anymore. Uh, but this required more effort. And that to me is, you know, cause anybody can drive a bass boat 30 miles one way. Anybody can oh, yeah. idle up a creek, but in a kayak, if you got to work physically to paddle up the river or drag the kayak, that's going to be discouraging to people. So that was the main reason I was confident in people not doing that. Um, now in your, in your area, did you have it all to yourself or was this kind of a place you were sharing with a few other people? Oh, there were other guys in there, um, yeah. for sure. But like I said, these were not fish that Joe Schmo was going to catch. So right, I was pretty yeah, yeah. 
being around other guys, knowing that they're probably not inflicting the damage that I'm inflicting. Cause like, cause Ewing actually in his, you know, my little brother got second place in the tournament. Um, yep. He was having a tough practice and I was like, Hey man, uh, you need to get this, like, here's a couple of the bugs. <laughs> um, this is what you need to look for. Yada, yada. And he was like, I think I'm going to go here. And he showed me on the map and I was like, yeah, not going to do that, buddy. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> like we're both real smart. You know, he knew exactly what yeah, right. that was the best stuff. And I was like, look, man, like just down river of me, this stretch right through here looks good. You should check that out. I think it could be really good. Cause I knew there were enough fish for both of us to have a good tournament. Like, I'm not going to say no doubt, but I'm pretty confident that had we shared my area, we both would have got a top 10, but I don't yeah. think we would have got first and second. We would have split right. the fish up too much. And I was like, man, we'll stand a better chance to do great if we each find our own fish. Cause I was like, I know there's going to be guys in there with me, but it's not you. You're not in there with me. Like if you're in there with me and we're both beating on those fish, we're going to, you know, mess them up. Um, right. And so, yeah, he found fish that were, he may have even been on more fish than I was. I don't know. We were both around a lot of fish and, uh, and yeah, and he, you know, he didn't even like this bait is so good. He didn't throw it until the first day of practice or first day of the tournament. Like he didn't he make just, a cast. Yeah. He I never was, even fooled with it. <laughs> no, I had two of them and like, they're kind of, you know, they're not yeah. the most durable things in the world. And so I was like, well, man, like this is what you look for and you throw it out in front of one and you give it a little, a little shake and they'll eat it. And then the first day he's like, Oh yeah, man, like I'm getting them. Isn't it just crazy that you can just throw like just wild stuff like that? And just rant. I just, I mean, you never even think that like, like had you not made that phone call, you would have never even thought to even throw something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you would have just been like, you would have walked past mm-hmm. in the tackle store and been like, Dude, ain't nobody buying that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's just that's one of those. Stupid. Yeah, it's just one of those things where sometimes if you could think outside the box and realize what's actually going on, you know, you can you can capitalize on it. I think it's so cool because I always feel like you know we're at a point where our fishing everything is so advanced. It's like mm-hmm. what's what's the next bait gonna be? Like when something new comes out and it actually works and it's something really different, it always blows me away. Uh, I can't remember what the last big breakthrough was maybe like the mag draft i don't know but you know just stuff that is shockingly good and it's a bait that you know all of a sudden becomes kind of a standard a household item among fishermen and and i'm always sitting there like no we know everything like there's not another there's not another bait and i know some guys have been doing this but like and there's going to be guys that claim oh i've been doing such and such 10 years i'm like Mm -hmm. well but i just want 10 grand on it and now i'm gonna let the world know because this is something that like you know if you win a ba- if you win a tournament on something completely off the wall and new, like yeah, I could keep it to myself, but yeah, I think it's way cooler to share it with everybody. Yeah, dude, and that's you know that's that's something cool. And obviously, you know, you do taking the we could we'll go down that here in a, just a little bit. But the YouTube route, you know, you kind of you kind of can't hide it. You know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to do something like that, it's kind of hard to hide that. But uh, yeah. The uh, the bug is the, the bug blew my mind. Whenever because um, I didn't know about it until um, until I saw some posts on social media after the tournament. Um, I know you'd posted one of the fish um, on Tourney X with the with the actually the bug. Um, I think it was still still on one of the rods, but I didn't I didn't yeah. catch it. I looked through the fish, but I didn't catch it. I wasn't looking at. The, I wasn't really paying attention to it. But yeah, dude, that's wild. That something like that just 
popped up and, and you know it makes you wonder like I wonder how many baits are out there that we that we generally as fishermen will just walk right by in the aisle but most but would actually probably stand a chance and actually be some type of bait that would be like that would stand out from the others you know in the case like you have all right we were uh right. I think we were in uh we just talked about some practice so we'll we'll jump in on the tournament stuff because I want to break down the uh day one day two and then we're gonna yeah. we'll, we'll dive in we'll dive in on what no one's got going on in the future so uh, I wanted to get on the tournament. I want you to break break us down on day one, and then uh, kind of go through that whole that whole process. Then we'll go into day two. All right. So day one, um, what I was doing is I was launching. So the way to access my water, my water was on the east side of the river, and yeah. I, the only ramp was on the le- uh, on the west side. So I was launching on the west side, and I had to go about a mile downstream to where this little there was a little chute that went through a big island. I mean, the islands on this place are, you know, sometimes 50 acres. Um, so you're not like you're, you're not just going to drag across the island if you want right. to. you got to find a, a channel of water that goes through it or something. Um, so, yeah, there was this little uh, chute that went through the island. And when the river's up, I'm sure you can just float a kayak right on through it. But with the water levels we had, that was not an option. But it was <laughs> enough water that it made it easier for me to drag my kayak. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't so heavy. And so, yeah, I had to go about a mile downstream and then go through that chute. And once I got there, I was on the back side of the island, which really, if you were there, you wouldn't know you were in a, the side channel of a river. You would just think you were in a good-sized river uh, once you get to the back side of that island. And I was just fishing the entire – there was like four miles of water. Uh, so when I got to where I started, that was the very downstream end of my water. And from then on, I just fished upriver the rest of the day. Yeah. In this tournament, we were we were allowed to wade fish as long as the kayak was tethered to us. So yep. what I did first thing in the morning, I was fishing real shallow water, and so I was just walking around with the kayak behind me. Um, that's when I was throwing – I wasn't throwing this bait, but a very similar bait. Uh, this is a Berkeley Chapo. Um, I was throwing the other one because I didn't have the right color of this thing. But anyway, yeah, those fish – you all know river smallmouth. They're always going to eat that bait. Yep. Uh, in the summertime, that's just – they can't help it. Big ones are always going to eat it. Even if you've thrown it at them a bunch of times before, they just can't stand it. It's something about it moving so fast and creating all that commotion, that shallow. They just react to it because they're sitting up there in this much water trying to eat something. And it's just, it's a very good way to make them react. Um, and it, it's running on a straight line. A spook is a lot easier to miss a lot of fish on because it's dark and they still love it and they'll get it all fired up on it, but they will miss it a lot of the time. Whereas this bait, since it's running on a straight line, it's a lot easier for them to track and goofy smallmouth, you'll, you'll hook them more on it. So that's why I went with that bait. Um, my first day, gosh, my plan was really to sight fish. We were going to have some sun on the first day and I was like, I was like, what am I going to do for the first two hours like that? I'm, you know, I wasn't really on much of a topwater bite, but that's because I hadn't been in that area in the morning in practice. Right. Now I'm there. At first cast was 6 a.m. Um, so I was just going to fish topwater stuff near my good stuff and hope that I'd get a couple bonus, big bonus fish first thing in the morning. Well, I catch the biggest one I caught the whole time on my first cast on, on the topwater. And I was like, all right, uh, probably going to keep doing this. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. And I, I proceeded to catch, I don't know, I had, I had 93 inches at 7.30, yep. and I was just 
smashing them. 93 inches. I don't know. That's probably like 17 pounds yeah, of smallmouth. Um, yeah. And it happened very, very quick. And, and like, not only am I catching these fish, like there's other big ones rolling on it and missing it. I'm like walking up the river and they're shooting off, waking in every direction. I'm like, I don't know how many, how there's this many fish here right now, but I'm not questioning it. And I'm really glad that this is where I happen to be. <laughs> there was just so many fish piled into that place. It was blowing me away. Sometimes, I mean, I can remember one time my bait lands. A lot of times, right when it lands, one will shoot over and grab it, like right as you're starting to turn the handle. I'm sure everybody's had that happen. But like, oh, yeah, ends. if you guys, actually, I, I tell you what. Actually, I want you to send me that video. Um, send me that video after we get done here, and I'm gonna put. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna throw it on here because I just want everyone to see when, whenever he throws this 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 bait out into the river, the bait no sooner it hits. I don't even think it hits the water. The the smallmouth waits for it. It's wild to watch. I'll ha I'll I'll have him send me that, and I'll I'll clip it in here. That's bad luck right there. Stay on there, buddy. What the heck? Y'all ever just beach them? Y'all ever just beach them? First cast. Who cares? It's not bad luck. We, we're getting right on the first cast. But it's unreal. Yeah. So it was I was throwing really long casts because I'm in, you know, this much water. So mm -hmm. you have to throw far if you don't want to scare them. But there were times when it was too far away for the camera to tell, but I can see really well. And, like, my bait lands and one pile's on it, but there's, like, four other ones trying to get it. And you can only tell because they're in this much water, so they're waking. You know, normally yeah. you have no way to tell, but, I mean, my, my mind is just blown the whole morning. I'm just, like, crushing big fish, and I have no idea what's going on. Um, and you hadn't even planned on this. You were just thinking, oh, right. I'm just, I'm just going to catch whatever I can catch, and then I'll, I'll make up for it in the afternoon. That is 100% what I thought I was going to be doing. Oh so then I have 93 first thing. I talked to Ewing. He's just downriver of me. He's also got low 90s. And low 90s back-to-back -back is like you're going to get in the top five if you do that at Susquehanna River. Absolutely. So no, no, no chance that's not happening. So we both were like, wow, you know, this top water bite's really good. And um, I was like, well, I'm going to kind of leave this area. You know, I only made one pass through it. Um, and I definitely could have doubled back and kept catching them, but I had freaking 93 inches. Like you can't upgrade that much from there. Yeah. Um, and those 18s are, are very valuable to leave them in the river for the next day. So I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of explore, maybe try to pick off some big ones. Um, and, you know, just learn more about my area for the next day. Cause I was going to have sun the first day and we weren't supposed to have sun on the second day. And so a lot of it was going to be like me having to mark um, boulders in my phone because these pools are so big you're not just going to be able to remember where the boulder is at because if it's not pushing up a boil or something like you literally would have to mark it on gps or something to be able to approach it without scaring them you know what i'm saying like come up yeah. and make that right cast 
So I was going to do that, just mark some stuff so that the next day, if I wasn't able to see, I could still go around and throw at those isolated targets where those fish were, uh, yeah. where the better fish were sitting. And I ended up, uh, the sun came out well enough that I was able to see these fish well enough that I could be like, no, that's an 18 inch. I'm not going to catch him. Like I need him for tomorrow. And then I'd see one and be like, Oh, that one I'm going to throw at like that one's going to help. Uh, and I caught, I caught two big ones, 19 inches. So, I mean, on the Susquehanna, those fish are probably heavy threes. Yeah. Um, but I caught back to back. I caught two 19 inches. And at that point I'm like, all right, now I really don't know what to do. Um, so I just kept, I kept, uh, kept exploring. But so here's the thing though, a lot of guys, um, and I'm guilty of it because you know it, I've been doing tournaments for a while now, but when you're having one of those magic days like that, you gotta you gotta remember not to get starstruck or shell shocked yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. You still got a job to do, even if it's really good. And I knew that if I could really, you know, slam the door shut on the first day, it would be a lot harder for guys to catch me on the second day. Right. Because I mean, even though you're catching all these big fish, uh, once you get to that low nineties on the Susquehanna, it's really hard to start upgrading, you know, half inches, quarter inches. Those are very, very big numbers once yeah. you make it to that that top of the leaderboard there. So I knew that if I could just keep inching my way, that it would be that much harder for guys to, to catch me the second. And, and, yeah. you didn't want to, and you didn't want to burn up all the, you know, the, the, the other fish that would have helped you get there on the next day. So, Correct, correct. Uh what I did, something I, I haven't actually talked about it. I think we may have talked about it on Bailey's show for a little bit. But another trick I had up my sleeve, I don't know if y'all see it happen in West Virginia, but in the rivers, you'll have carp and the smallmouth will follow yep. a feeding carp and wait for him to kick up crawfish and stuff. And so in practice, I had seen a couple. And if there was a smallmouth with a carp, he was 18 inches plus, like no doubt. It was never small ones. And it would literally just be one carp with one smallmouth sitting with him. Anybody that's ever saltwater fish, it's like a redfish following a stingray. Exact same situation. So that's what I tried to do with the rest of my afternoon. And I, I didn't find any with the carp, but what it helped me do was rule it out because I felt like that area could have potentially been a good way to catch a big one. But I was able to eliminate some water for the next day, which is really good. I knew that like, okay, instead of having this whole four miles be part of my game plan, it's only three now. Once I get to the top of that three, that third mile, I'm yeah. coming back, which people don't realize how important that can be. Um, oh, yeah. You know, because the next day I had said, well, let me just run up here real quick and, you know, I'll just keep working my way. But then after the day one, I realized, you know, that would be an entire, entirely a waste of time. Um, yeah, let me, let, yeah, I, I'll go ahead and attest to that. We, I fished my first kayak tournament there a few weeks ago and we decided, you know, 10 miles was going to be a good idea to, to f try to float. Well, that was a terrible idea. That was the, so it, <laughs> I learned really fast that you, <laughs> that what you want to do is try to break it down in about, like you say, about three or four miles because there is no way Unless you have some ripping current, that you're gonna make it ten miles. So learn from my mistakes, y'all. Listen to Nolan; that's <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think right there at the end of the day, what I basically I, I had a primary area, and then my secondary area had probably a bigger average class of fish, mm -hmm. but they were a lot more spread out and the water was a little deeper and a little slower. So they were that much harder to find that much harder to sight fish. And it was a little wider part of the river. So that if there was any breeze, it would pick up more and be harder to sight fishing. 
And if you weren't sight fishing them, you just weren't catching those fish. Like they were way right. too spread out. You know what I mean? You've, you've probably been mm-hmm. in scenarios like that. So I, I knew that really I could catch, even if I couldn't tell how big they were, I could catch fish up there because I probably wasn't going to be able to do much with them on day two. And with, I don't know, I had maybe two, three hours left to fish and I caught an 18 and three quarter that upgraded me another half inch. So then I had 95 and a half and I was like, all right, like I'm going back to the ramp. Um, because yeah. I didn't want guys to see me taken out, uh, because you know, there was probably at least a dozen fishermen went out of the same ramp as me in the morning. And I knew that some of them, some of them floated, some of them did single access. And then I'm sure there were guys that started somewhere else and then moved to that ramp throughout the day. Cause we can move as many times as we want. Right. And I knew that if I show up to the ramp and there's two guys there, or one guy there that knows who I am, he, you know, then those guys all figure out, all right, well, the leader is here. And it's not that anybody has any ill intentions, but right. you get back to the house. Oh yeah. The leader launched with me today, man. He smashed him. I saw him yeah. this morning. And then you get there the next morning and all of a sudden there's 30 guys there, you know, and it's just, so that's why that was my biggest reason for leaving early because if I didn't think that was a possibility, I would have just gone to a completely different area and tried to catch another big one. You know, like I, I've lost right. before close margins and I, I was not going to let that happen. That's why I was so mad at them on the first day. Cause people were probably surprised that I kept catching them and kept fishing for them. But if you want to win, sometimes you got to be hard after it. And, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah. So I got off the water, I don't know, maybe like an hour early, uh, on the first day. And go ahead. What? Go ahead. So going into day two, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pick your brain on this because I I we had a similar situation. Me and Dylan had a similar situation a few weeks back, and it kind of got me thinking about how you're catching those fish. But we'll go into day two first. But I want to pick up on that. So going into day two, you know, you you got the lead, obviously. So kind of run us through your your mindset going into day two. I know you you had a I don't know how much of a lead you had. I can't remember exactly, but. Uh, you had a, I think, what was it? It was, it was about an inch or about two inches, right? I think it was close to. Yeah, it. I thought it was a couple inches. Second place had ninety three something. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So run us through the second day, and then I'm gonna kind of pick up, and I got some questions about how you're catching them too, because I have some similar situations. Okay, so day two, my plan was just to do the same thing. Um, also, something interesting to point out after day one. So there was only one guy uh, that saw me go into my area, do, do my little access through that island. And that doing that really, if somebody else saw me going in there, like that kind of gave away exactly where I was fishing at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, especially since he knew I wasn't doing a float. He knew I was single accessing, which single access just means you put in, you fish around right. and at the same time. You know. um, but he, so he knew where I was at and he was staying with somebody and basically like people, somebody came to me and was like, Oh, I heard so-and-so is coming to fish. your coming to fish where you're at tomorrow. Cause so-and-so knew about those fish and was saving it for day two or whatever. And I was like, man, what the heck? Cause to me, if, you know, if, if you thought you had a day two spot and then turns out it was the day one spot and you didn't realize that, like you got to bow out, you know what I'm saying? Like if you were trying right. to save it and then turns out the leader smashed them in there, like, right. That, sorry. You know, you got the bad end of that deal. You didn't, you didn't do your homework, but So what I did, I was like, well, I'm going to try to contact this person because I don't know if there's any truth to this story. Um, You know, and if if there is and they're coming in there, it wouldn't be crazy for somebody to find those fish. You could see them if they went in there and practiced. I knew they would know where those fish were. I talked to this person and turns out like there was no truth to any of that. People were just starting crap. 
But <laughs> since I did that, since I talked to this person, now I'm not having a bad opinion of them thinking that, you know, so-and-so just steals people's spots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I also wasn't stressed out all night thinking that I'm going to have to race somebody to my spot in the morning because that's what I thought was going to happen. Um, cause you hear about stuff like that happening, but oh, yeah. so communication fixes a lot of stuff and people, if people will do that, uh, it'll go a long way. Um, well, so yeah. day two, I, I thought I was in the clear and then I'm going towards my chute and I start dragging through and I'm turning around. There's nobody behind me and I make it like halfway through. It's about a 500 yard drag. I'm like halfway through and I turn around and there's somebody kind of lingering back there behind me. Like I can see him and he's kind of, he's kind of just like meandering real slow and i'm like man is that guy trying to come through here behind me and just hang back to where i don't see him so i just leave the kayak and start walking towards the guy directly towards him because i'm like i'm just gonna talk to him and see you know what's up and uh it was mr second place it was the guy who was right behind me uh so i was like "Mm." now it's getting spicy but no, so here's the thing. I talked to him and I was like, hey, man, like, are you coming through here? You know, like, let's just talk because if we're going to be around each other, it is what it is. We fished here yesterday, you know, winning fish are in the same, you know, like that doesn't, it's not surprising at all. The top two right. guys are close to each other. Uh, and so he's like, well, hey, man, where I've, where I've been fishing from here to here. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going upstream of there. So you can come with me to access this way because it'll be easier. You won't have to go all the way around. You come through here, as long as you stay downstream, I'll leave your water, you leave my water, you know, same as yesterday, no harm, no foul. And it was fine, and there was no issue at all, just because we talked it out. But had it not been that way, you know, then I maybe would have been fishing all freaked out, looking over my shoulder all day, trying to see if somebody's, you know, going to my stuff. So communicate with people on the water. Yeah, it's it's huge. And we see that here at home too you know a lot just because of the size of our fields and the size of the water we have i mean there's all it's i mean there's about an instance every tournament it seems like that there's you know there's some type of of feud and dude most of it most of it can be solved with just a little bit of communication so i always stress that especially when you know as i run tournaments around here you know it's easier to just talk it out first and then uh you know and it's, it's one of those things where it can go either way. And if it, you know, it always goes, it, it can all, it, what comes around goes around is what I tell a lot of people. So, um, yep. so good for you for doing yeah, that. Yeah. When people, when, you know, if somebody gives me the right of way on the water or whatever, cause I'm leading, like, I'm going to remember that in the future. Cause if, yep. you know, if I see that person again, I'm going to definitely be nice to them. But if you jump in front of me, and do something stupid when you shouldn't and you and you and you're knowingly doing something stupid i will also not forget that so like exactly like you said um yeah so day two i start off throwing one of these things uh ripping the top of the water up going through my same stuff as the day before caught one good one that was 17 and three quarters and i was catching some small ones still getting a lot of bites but they were all like 12 14 yeah. You know, not not the fish that I wasn't even measuring them, uh, which is kind of bold to do. But I knew that that morning bite was so important, right? That even though it's risky throwing them right back, it actually is, makes sense to do it because I'm fishing instead of wasting time measuring a fish because it's not as quick as slap a 13 inch smallmouth on the board and snap his picture. He doesn't hold still. That's not really what they do. That's not mm-hmm. their well. Uh, we we and we had this conversation not too long ago. So it's like one of those things it takes time to take pictures of them and get, you know, yes. correctly because it's just like they don't want to, they're wild. 
Um, so yeah, so I fished through my entire stretch and I think I had like somewhere in the low eighties. Yep. Um, I did take pictures, you know, some like two that were 14 and a half, 14, three quarter. And then I had the one 17, three quarter. And I think two 16 and a half, sorry, 16 and a 16 and a half. But I wasn't going to not take pictures of a decent fish because I'm still trying to get paid at the end of the day, even if, you know, the world falls out from under me. Um, and so I had been through, remember how I told you there was a spot where they were waking or like things were just crazy. There were fish piling on the bait, fish chasing each other. So that was like one particular area in this one pool I was fishing. And it was, it was less than knee deep water where these fish were living. Um, it was a spot that was adjacent to some little bit deeper water with some better rock that I think they would slide to later in the day. But first thing in the morning, they're kind of pulled up feeding it. It made sense. And so I had already been through there and caught a 16 and a half on the Chapo. But when I hooked it, there were a bunch of other fish, you know, zipping around waking, but not in like an aggressive, I'm trying to steal the bait from him way in like, I'm afraid of what's happening. You know, I remember this from yesterday type of way. So I changed to a silent walking bait, really good for schoolers. Uh, Evergreen makes it. That's all I'm going to say though, because I don't really have any affiliations with them. So there's no reason to promote their stuff when I'm already giving them so much free publicity. Uh, silent walking baits can be really good when fish are being finicky and they're in low clear water, especially when they're eating shiners and stuff. I'm sure y'all see that a lot in West yep. Virginia where they're school and then they don't really like to commit to stuff. Silent walking baits can be really, really good. So that's what I was throwing to try to be a little more subtle because for whatever reason, a fluke, I don't know why, but they, they didn't really like it that much. Cause you would think that that would be a good bait in that yeah. scenario when they're up that shallow, but I only had little ones bite it. And the big ones, it was like, they didn't even care that it was there. I just don't think it made enough commotion. Um, because most of the time, most yeah. of the time I've caught most of some of the bigger ones I've caught out of just wading the rivers have come on a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, I was under the impression that I should have been able to do that, but it wasn't yeah. working. Um, I'm throwing the silent walker. I work up through my stretch. My my good stuff is like halfway through my stretch. So I, I'm using this bottom part of my stretch to kind of determine is this, am I doing the right thing so that when I get to hit this good stuff again, I want to make sure that I'm using what I should be. Well, I'm still catching fish, getting bites, but they're again, they're still not big. Maybe I caught a 16 and a half incher on it, but that's not the fish that I need to win. Right. And right as I'm getting up to the spot, I catch a really small one. And as I'm unhooking them, you'll see it in the video that I just posted. I see one's tail come out of the water, like right on the good stuff. And it looked like a pretty big fish. Well, what was probably happening is he was nosing down on the bottom to eat a crayfish. And when he did that, his tail came out of the water. But what that does me is that shows me right where he's at. Um, and so now I kind of have a bead on this fish. So I, I like reach around, set that walking bait down and grab the bug and fire it right upstream of where he was and it lands and I see him wake right up to it, twitch it, eats it, set the hook, uh, 17 three quarter, which is, you know, that's the caliber of fish you got to be catching to do well. Right. And so I catch him, uh, and then I'm like, all right, well, I didn't think I was going to be able to throw this bug early before I could see, but maybe if I pay attention to these visual cues, I can, put this bait where it needs to be and I'll still get it around the fish. Cause I kind of knew the general area where they were laying at. And I think after that, um, I started throwing it anywhere. I'd see like a little, it's, you call, I guess you call it a bulge in the water where there's a, you know, it's not a, it's not a ripple, 
but it's like a steady wake that is made from a rock that's deflecting current. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. It looks like yeah. a little wake from a fish, but it's just yeah. stationary. It's just so these stationary, fish would yeah. sit, they would sit in front of that because uh, the water is real low. And so there's not much current. So they're sitting on the fronts of stuff, you know, when there's not much water, that's what fish do. They'll get on the fronts instead of tucked in behind it. So I just started splatting it right in front of all the little bulges and current seams and whatnot. And I catch a, catch an 18 and a half doing that, just blind throwing uh, to these things. And I'm like, you know, dang, this is really good. And then I think I saw another one come out of the water or eat something and he was really, really far away. But I was like, as soon as I saw him, I just locked on and just like so slow walking. So I don't push wakes up there. I'm just creeping up. So I get to where I thought he was at, threw it out there and it lands. He wakes over, eats it, bam, catch another good one. And so then I was like, all right, well, I'm not throwing that walking bait anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, this, this bug is working early in the morning. And now my yeah. confidence is like through the freaking roof because I knew that throwing the bug was the way to get those bigger than average bites and trick those older, smarter fish. And I thought that I needed sun to do it, but I did not. Um, and so I think I got up to 91 inches. Um, yeah. It's still in my same primary area, probably before 1030. I'm not sure. And then the sun pops out and I'm like, <laughs> all right, you don't have to make it this easy on me, but here we go. And uh, so I, you know, I grab the kayak and go up to my sight fishing stuff and I start busting them pretty, pretty much right out of the gate. And I was catching a lot of 17, 17 and a half inch fish, which are great fish. And when you're catching fish that size, it means you're doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like a, catching a 14 inch right. doesn't tell you much, but you're catching fish like that, you know, you're doing the right thing. So I was very confident. I talked to Ewing, my brother, and he's smashing them too because the sun popped out. We're both like calling each other like, man, they're jumping all over. You know, there's fish running everywhere. It's, we were very confident. We're having a good time. And uh, so I saw a really big one. Um, but when I saw him, I, I can't remember if I had like just hooked another fish or I was unhooking another fish, but he, he, he figured me out, you know, he saw me, um, but it was a real big one. And a lot of times those shallow smallmouth, this is something you'll know from up north too. They kind of have a home territory that they'll be roaming in. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go through this little stretch. I'm going to come back through again because it's day two. So I'm, you know, not trying to leave anything. But, um, so I come back through, I get about where this big one was at and I see him and I throw the bug to him. And I can't remember if he came and looked at it and didn't eat it or if he just didn't like it at all. But I throw at him two or three times. He doesn't get it. Another bait that I'd been throwing to sight fish was a four inch wacky rig. And yeah. so I, I get the, get the bug out of there and take that wacky rig. And the, the problem with trying to throw like anything that sinks at these fish is you got to get it way out in front of them so they don't see it land. Right. They don't hear it splash. You got to get it way out in front of them. And then when they cruise up to it, you just wiggle it on the bottom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to get it way out in front of him and he came up on mm -hmm. it and ate it. And I caught that one and it was a 19. So at that point, that was the last upgrade I made for the day. I kept catching fish, but didn't catch any that helped. I mean, I kept smashing 17 inches the rest of the day, but, um, yeah, that was, that was it for, for me. But I think it's important to note that, yeah, I had some magic bait, but my biggest fish came on that wacky rig because I was ready to switch quick. You know, right. I, I literally had that thing sitting in my kayak with the bait hanging off the rod tip for if I needed to switch and go. Cause you know, you're not, you're not just going to see one and follow them around. There's clouds, there's breeze. You know, when you see them, you gotta, you gotta act quick. Um, so I want to, I, like I, 
I want to know whenever, whenever you had you said you you mentioned that there. Whenever your brother, you, you're you're on the phone with your brother, and you're saying, "Oh, they're you know they're everywhere. They're just biting like crazy." At that point, were you thinking, "Okay, he might have a chance to catch catch up here"? Is that like what was going through your mind whenever you had that phone call? Yeah, no, he was he was definitely doing really well. Um, and I, that was kind of a concern, but that was when I was uh, I was feeling really glad that I'd caught 95 and a half the day before and that I hadn't let off the gas when I got to 93. And that's exactly why I had to do that. Uh, he he had a he lost a lot of fish that day. I don't know that he had all the fish hooked to beat me because he, he says he there's a good chance he did. Um, and, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles when it's your time. You're gonna yeah, win. He already won another one this year, and he won one last year. So, like, I don't I don't feel bad trying to, you know, win it. Uh, it'd be, you, know, I, you, don't, you don't feel so, bad taking some of his money. <laughs> right. Had he, had, he never, had he never won one before, I think I would have felt more like, I don't care who wins, you know, whoever right, comes yeah. out on top awesome. But since he had already won two, I was like, nah, I want this one. Like, you can get second, but, uh, you know, the, I, I'm trying to take this one. And honestly, I think he kind of felt the same way. Like, yeah. he, he wasn't going to let up because that's not what you do. You don't bow out, especially oh, if there was another guy right behind us. So we had to make sure we beat him. But, um, yeah, I was on the phone with him at one point because I had to drag up through this long riffle, and I can't fish in it because it's too shallow. I'm dragging on rocks. So I'd call him because I was bored. And uh, I'm talking to him, and he hooks a big one while we're on the phone, and he catches it. It was 20 inches, and I'm like, I'm pumped for him. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know. And he, he's like, all right, I'm going to get off the phone, measure it, and whatever. And then, like, I keep walking. I'm like, man, that's awesome, but I hope he doesn't catch too many more of those because that in a bad spot. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's just fishing. And, you know, we're obviously benefiting way more by sharing information yeah, and whatnot. Absolutely. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, Man, if he beats me, you know, had I not told him about this bug or done any of this, like, it wouldn't have happened. Um, right. But it worked out the way that it works out, and that's, you know, you're going to benefit. Listen, way if, more. You're gonna, if you're going to lose anybody, I don't think you'd, I think you'd rather lose to your brother than the rest of the field. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely in the school of thought that you will benefit from exchanging information with your friends and fellow yeah, fishermen. Absolutely. Because you're you don't need to worry about one guy. You need to worry about the rest of the whole field. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like that's what I always try to tell people. Like if it's a college tournament, yeah. if it's any large field tournament, you're going to benefit so much more by sharing information because the odds of you saying, "Hey, I'm catching them on you know laydowns that are on the main lake, and you got to have a clay bank." You telling that to your buddies and him going, all right, you know, in my part of the lake, let me check that out. And then he, maybe he figures out something else that's similar that he can tell. Yeah. You know, he figures out. Another you know, you just kind of bounce ideas off of each other. The odds of him finding the same trees you're fishing are so low. You need to be worried about, there's probably 10 guys that are going to be fishing the same trees as you. And he's not one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like right. just the way the numbers are, uh, it's, it's crazy to me that some people have a hard time sharing information with their friends. Um, yeah, I agree. Because the people who are the best, they're networking with other good fishermen, and they. If, so, for instance, I already said, me and Ewing, uh, if if one of us has something really good that we're wanting to start on, we'll say, hey man, this little area right here, if you just leave that for me, you know, anything else, fair game. But that's I want to start there. I want to have you know first crack at that, and mm -hmm. we've always respected yeah. that. And anybody else, I've shared information with. That's the same way. 
But if you're being funky and not sharing information, and then you both show up at, the at same that spot, spot on the first day, then <laughs> yeah. you're both frazzled mentally, and it's going to hurt you. Yeah. I No, I totally agree. It's just communication is, yeah. is, is key, dude. And I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen it in the college tournaments, even myself, you know, just – I've roomed with different people too, and you know sometimes it's burnt me, and sometimes I've, you know, we've worked. Sometimes I've worked with some of the people I've roomed with, and it's, it's worked out pretty good. But, um, well, man, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. I gotta, I gotta ask you a few questions before we, uh, before we hop off here, because we're, uh, we're running, we're running, uh, we're running a little late. But, um, man, tell me about the bug. Tell me where people can get these. I know you were kind of plugging them. Um, where you they could get, where they could find them in uh, one of the pot in the podcast I listened to earlier this week. So let the folks know because I'm sure there might be uh, there might be a couple people looking for them after they listen to this. Yeah, so here he is. That is an evergreen gizmo. This one I think is green pumpkin. Green pumpkin and black pretty much look the same. I like the darker colors. However, Ewing caught them on a white one, so it the presentation probably matters more than anything. Yeah. And also you could probably paint it or Sharpie it. I know that it does have a weird coating on it. So you might have to find something a little more potent than a Sharpie because we yeah. tried doing that in practice and it didn't work, but fishing online should have them in stock by the time that this uh, podcast goes up. So yeah. please check them out. Um, I've been trying to get them to order as many as possible. I know that they got an order in, Immediately after the tournament, I asked them how many they got, and they told me the number, and I said, no, we need more. And so I think they've, they've at least made two orders. Uh, hopefully there will be enough for everybody to get some. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Tackle Warehouse doesn't have any good colors. Tackle Direct was the other place that had them. They don't have any good colors left. So Fishing Online is probably going to be your place to, to get the bait if you want it. Uh, I would recommend it. If anybody knows of another bait that's similar, Beautiful. let me know because I don't know that there's anything else on the market out there right now, and I'm hoping that maybe I can work with somebody to make one uh, that might even work a little better than this one at some point. That'd be awesome. Well, man, uh, I want to know. Uh, I know you're doing the whole YouTube thing, but I want to. Uh, I will just kind of want to know what's the uh, what's the plan for the YouTube and uh, what what's the future of that. Yeah, I wanna I wanna really try to make YouTube work for me. I from what I've experienced, you know, because I've been jumping all over this fishing industry for the last few years of my life, I feel like YouTube is a really good way for a guy to make it. Um, bass tournaments are so expensive. Um, I love to fish. I don't really care what I fish for. I'm never going to not fish tournaments, but I do know that fishing tournaments and trying to put all your eggs in that basket is a really good way to run out of money. And uh, I could kind of see that happening for me, and that's why I've kind of changed directions for now. The Hobie series is awesome because, shoot, look, I just made 10 grand, didn't have to put gas in a boat, and my entry fee was 265 bucks. Yeah. Uh, like somebody was asking me, how do we make kayak fishing cooler to get more guys in? I'm like, I don't know that you can make it cooler. There, how do you make it cooler than that? Uh, yeah, that's that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Trust, so, trust me, I know. I've and, been running around all over the country this year for $4 and whatever a gallon. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um yeah, I, I'm going to really, really get after this YouTube thing. I think that that is potentially a way for me to make a living fishing. I have friends that do it, and I have always kind of wanted to, and now I'm really, really treating it like a job uh, is what I'm trying to do with my YouTube. So I'm, you know, being consistent with my uploads, trying to make sure I got good stuff. I know I'm putting out good stuff, and it's just part of, 
you know, the YouTube algorithm, even if I got stuff that's better than somebody else's, it's just going to take time before I really break through and uh, yeah. start making some, some big money, hopefully. Oh man. Um, I just, I'll, I'll make sure to, uh, I'll make yeah. sure to leave a link for, uh, for your YouTube channel down in our description. So if you guys want to see the videos, uh, of the Susquehanna and all the crazy videos, he has, he has some insane saltwater videos. If you haven't watched them, um, I'll leave the description. I'll leave the uh, the link for your YouTube channel yes. down in the description for everyone to see. Those, yes, yes, those are insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, got some insane videos. You guys need to check it out if you uh, if you if you're into seeing uh, it's extreme topwater bites out in the middle in some salt water. He's got the videos for it. But man, I got one more question, and I'm just gonna kind of leave it on this, and uh, we'll just kind of wrap this up. But uh, something I want to know personally, uh, one day, are we going to see Nolan Miner make a, a, an opens run and try to, and try to get there to the elite level? If that happens, it's probably not happening anytime soon, because as y'all know, it costs so dang much, much. to yep. do that. Um, and man, the more, I mean, I hate to tell this to all the, you know, starry eyed kids out there, the further I got into the, the fishing world and the Bassmaster open side of things and all that rooting around, the more discouraged I got. Uh, it's possible yeah. to do it, but gosh, you really, really got to have some things go your way. Like I can, I can catch them with the best of them. I can hang with the best of them. And like, I got to the point where I was like, all I'm going to do is run myself into the ground if I keep trying this. So that's why I'm trying to make some money. Uh, there's kind of two train, two schools of thought with trying to make it to the elites or to the pro circuit level, you know, whatever level you, the yeah. top of the, the game, uh, that one route is to make your money and get to the point where you can afford to do it. And if it doesn't go well, you're okay. The other way is you're gambling. And if it doesn't work well, you got to go back to the drawing board and you may have to sell your house because that literally happens to people. Uh, so I just, anybody that's interested in that, just, you know, really, really plan, uh, and, and, and really make sure that you're making, uh, smart choices when you're going to pursue something like that, because it is, it is very risky. Uh, it's, it's super cool. I don't think there's anything cooler than the Bassmasters Classic. I've been to a few of them. I mean, that's, that's magical. Uh, but exercise caution, never, never lose sight of, uh, fishing for, for just fishing. Cause that's, that's why I'm happy with the kayak stuff. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to fish out of a sparkly fast boat to appreciate catching fish. I just love catching fish. Don't really care what they are. As long as I got a tail, I'm happy with it. There you go. There you go, y'all. That's, uh, that's what I, that's what I wanted to hear. So, um, because I know we all get, and I've seen the Facebook post over the past few months where they made the changes and it's been like, come on. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I think, I think a lot of people lose sight of just, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's fishing, man. It's fishing. That's what we're all here for. Yep. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about the shiny. Sometimes it's not all about the, uh, the shiny trophies or, you know, the accolades. It's just fishing. And that's what we need to be in, to, in, in it for. So, well, with no one, uh, I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. That was, uh, that was a great, great show. Uh, got some, uh, got some good stuff out of that. And, uh, man, any, any last things you want to wrap up on? I know, um, uh, I know you, uh, like I said, YouTube, uh, let the folks know where they can follow you out on Instagram and all that good stuff. Yeah. My, my Instagram handle is just my name, Nolan minor, same with YouTube. Yep. Uh, those are the only real social platforms I got going on right now. Gosh, besides that, go check out uncle Larry outdoors. 
we're trying to take back uh, the fishing world to the people who actually know how to fish, not just people that go make uh, Walmart challenge uh, <laughs> gas station pump videos. <laughs> got some, got some real fish doing some yeah. real stuff. Yeah. Authentic yeah. videos, authentic content. So I'm hoping that uh, we see some cool stuff come from them in the future because they are gaining some traction, and I'm really, really excited to see where they go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate knowing you're a phenomenal angler. Uh, guy yeah. I looked up, looked up to for a long time in the college ranks, and, uh, man, I wish you nothing but the best. So best of luck, and uh, we will catch you on the next time. We'll definitely have you back on here again wow. at some point. Much appreciated. Sorry I didn't let you talk more, Joey, but uh, <laughs> next time. That's okay. With the, with the delay and everything else, it's, it's fine. See y'all. See y'all. All right, we're going to get him out of there. It's just back to me and you, Joe, and uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. We have uh, we went over the hour mark, but, dude, what a, what an awesome show. Awesome show. No one gave us the sauce on it, man. He's a uh, phenomenal, phenomenal angler, and uh Glad to have uh, I spent he's some a time. fish. He's a genius. Yeah, he's a uh, he definitely definitely has a different way of, of thinking about fishing, and uh, man, I'm glad to have competed against him a few times. So, well, Joe, let's wrap this up. Uh, anything you want to get out there before we uh, before we uh, before we move on? Um, no, great show we had, uh, Nolan again. Thank you for coming on. Our viewers, thank you for everything and supporting us through this journey we are doing. Um, yeah, other than that, see you all on the water. Yep. And I, just like that, we're going to wrap up show number 41. And uh, we're out of here. We'll see you on the next one.